Yeah, yeah. All right. We're on. All right. Welcome to the Beer in a Movie podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm David Gurney and I'm here with Carlos Cooper and Ethan Thompson. And we are delighted to be joining each other uh, for a discussion of a very recent release, uh, Black Klansman, the the newest Spike Lee joint, although it isn't necessarily advertised that way. Um, and yeah, Jordan Peele has a lot of the right, uh, right. We're definitely getting a lot of yeah. a lot of peel, and uh, and then maybe a general discussion about uh, Spike Lee and and uh, and where his career has gone over the years leading up to this. Um, but as we like to do to get things started off, we're going to have a beverage, and the one I've chosen for uh, at least the beginning of this episode is, is actually a traveler, one that came with me back from the great state of Maine. Um, it is called Offset. It is Offset Double IPA. I'm going to go ahead and... Lambo! <laughs> <laughs> There's a member of... SNL oh, sketch. Know, the yeah. Bigos. Offset, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, offset. But you're talking about the SNL sketch. He's one. Yeah, of but the... also he does do that. No, no, I know, but yes. But Lambo was. And That's that, what he says. They, in that sketch, they keep talking about it, and he's just. You uh, just say Kenan Lambo. Pay Lambo. <laughs> Kenan Thompson. Kenan Thompson is the one un- of the uh, one of the Migos uh, members was named Offset. Yeah, he's one of. Keenan Thompson is one of the unsung heroes of he SNL. Is the he's the most unsung. He's taken for granted because he's been there for so long. That's but right. in that skit, especially, he's so funny. Like just being the guy shouting like hype stuff to like that everyone else is saying. He um, eclipsed Tim Meadows, right, in terms of yes. number of seasons. Yeah, he's like at eleven now. I think ten or eleven. He's been there for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I would also like to re- recommend um, Ric Flair Drip. Have you seen the video for that? I have with not. With Ric Flair? I have not, it. but it's Offset and Metro Boomin, and it is one of my favorite songs of 2017. <laughs> well, so, so Offset, in this case... Is <laughs> I'll drop I'll drop it in. Is a double IPA uh, from Austin Street Brewery, uh, which of, is not from Austin. No, not not from Austin, Texas, but from uh, Austin Street in Portland, Maine. That uh, is, you know, a a New England IPA. It's one of those. Hazy, I was going to say it's pretty hazy. Yep, super juicy. Black Klansman. Yeah, we're okay. ten minutes in. We're always <laughs> talk about hazy IPAs. You know, uh, we have this film, which is sort of the film of the moment, so to speak, that uh, Spike Lee has made based on a true story, yeah. as it tells us. Um, although, it, what is it? Is It's a for real, for real story. I don't know. They get, it's, it had a, it's based it on some based for, on real, for real, for real shit. For real, for real shit, yes. Yeah, I believe that's um, what it's saying. So, yeah, book written by what, what the guy's name, Ron Stallworth. I can see it's, it is Stallworth with an yeah. L, but the way the characters pronounce it, I couldn't figure out if it was Stallworth or Starworth, oh. whether it was an L or an R, because... Yeah. Especially some of the heavier southern accents right. uh, pronounced it funny. But it, yeah, Stallworth. So this guy, he he wrote it chronicling his own experience, uh, apparently, on the police force back in the 70s. Um, acting Colorado Springs, Colorado. Colorado Springs. Supposedly the most conservative city in America, at least at one time. Right. Home of, home of focus on the family. Wow, drove was it? Really? Is that right? Drove past it a few uh, days ago, as a matter of wow. fact. Wow, yeah, yeah, you so were up in, in Colorado. The, uh, the Air Force Academy as well as the far more liberal Colorado College, mm. which, uh, which is an important, important yeah, right. So, so basic premise, you have this young um, new rookie on the police force, uh, Ron Stallworth, who is, who is a young black man who's just come uh, to the police force in Colorado Springs, is wanting an assignment that's a little more challenging um, because he's first assigned to the records room, right, or the... Um, yeah, it was the right yeah. answer, yeah. And, uh, and and sort of, uh, you know, lobbies for that. And he's put into the intel unit uh, who they initially put him on uh, uh, an assignment to sort of infiltrate or or observe a uh, speech by Stokely Carmichael, who has just recently changed his name to Kwame Ture. Uh, but from that, um, builds into a position on 
the Intel unit and then sort of on under his own, um, you know, sort of uh, decision making decides to start pursuing the Ku Klux Klan and eventually strikes up a relationship with the local chapter and uh, and even its grand wizard of that moment. David Duke. So um, still around doing stuff. That's true, right? So that so that's kind of the basic premise that the the uh, potential humor there and the way the trailer plays it, at least um, being that you have a black man who is a member infiltrating of the, KKK. the KKK, right, and becomes a member of the KKK. Yeah, the card, the membership card says his name. Yes, on it. absolutely. But obviously, that can't work fully yeah. so uh they they kind of have to come up with a way to make the um physical ron stallworth into something that could be acceptable yeah. within uh the kkk's ranks and which is where adam driver comes exactly. in and gives one of maybe his better performances yeah well i like adam driver See, i'm not a huge fan really yeah. okay so liked him in this though yeah, very good in this. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, so th- so this film is obviously it's a, it's a, it's a huge film of the moment. Like I'm like I was saying, um, it's definitely Jordan Peele uh, producing it, coming off of the huge success of Get Out last year. Another film that had a lot to say about race, obviously. Also coming at a time during this summer where we've had um, Sorry to Bother You sort of yeah. uh, being released and uh, what's the other one? Blind Spotting, right? Hasn't come out yet. The, but right, I think but it that's is, yeah. that's about to come out. Yeah, so you soon. have this kind of series of, and I know some people have kind of been talking about this as this resurgence or, um, or maybe some kind of moment in um, race on screen and, and sort of African-American uh, stories that are provoking and or asking questions that films don't always ask. There's another one too, uh, The Hate You Give. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I've been seeing the trailer for that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't Similar know. Similar to Blind Spotting. We, we've all seen this. What what what, uh, what were people's feelings on Black's, Black Klansmen? I thought it was, uh, I mean, a provocative film, a successful film. It's entertaining and also that, uh, you know, Spike Lee does some interesting things. Uh, in terms of framing it in order to make it extremely relevant right now in case you could somehow miss that and not make those connections yeah. uh, yourself. We we talked about Alec Baldwin in Mission Impossible, and he shows up again in this film. Surprisingly so. <laughs> Surprisingly right. so. Only for, only for a brief sort of, uh, you know, moment, it, yeah. it's it's an important moment. It's well, the it's opening the of the film. The opening yeah. of the film. And, and, uh, but it never comes back. I mean, it's, no. it's sort of its it own seems, little... It is, it seems to me, in my opinion, it is explicitly there to make, encourage people to think of Alec Baldwin's impersonations of Trump that he's most known for right now. Yeah. Uh, the film I can is, definitely see that. The film is bookended by this opening sequence where, uh, where Alec Baldwin is re- apparently recording some kind of film. It's like a propaganda Klux, film. A propaganda film from the Ku Klux Klan. He keeps messing things up, and he says things funny, um, and clears his throat and he's basically acting like a clown as he's saying these extremely racist things. Then the film ends uh, making an explicit connection to Charlottesville, which happened a year ago to the opening of this film um, and actually has Trump, footage of Trump saying things, uh, racist things, and also David Duke. Not hard to find. David Duke as well, uh, who's in the film. So it, it really bookends the film I think deliberately because you never see that the, the, the Alec Baldwin thing is never explained as some kind of source no, material. There's right. nothing like that. I really think it's deliberately to get audiences to think, oh, that's the guy that makes fun of Trump. And here he's making fun of this earlier racist in this film. That's right. how I read it anyway. Yeah. And, and it was funny. It, yeah. It's interesting. It helps. I guess it also kind of helps set the, a tone for the film, which the film is funny. Right. I mean, it's funny. At times. At times it's funny. And yeah. yet. And this is the thing, one of my favorite things in movies is when they can pull off that flipping from being funny to being just like gut-wrenching or serious. Which this does. Which this does Very well. well. Um, and so I thought, I, th- I think that that, I, I'd be curious to know the history, obviously, of, of, of adding that sequence with yeah. Alan Baldwin because, you know, he never reappears. There's never right. any other reference to it. Um, I thought... I, I enjoyed the film. I thought the ending coda with the footage from Charlottesville 
was one of the most powerful things um, that I've seen like that. I have to say it reminded me actually of seeing of all things um, Schindler's List. Schindler's List, you know, had this this coda where it showed actual survivors from the Holocaust visiting the grave of Oscar Schindler. And it just had a way of bringing it immediately. And it was kind of a cathartic release. And there was nothing cathartic about seeing this footage from Charlottesville. No, it's the exact Trump. opposite. You're right. It was the exact opposite. Um, and yet uh, it, it really was successful and powerful and motivating to make you say, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Well, so, so what did you guys think? There, there were parts of the film where I thought like, oh, well, that's a little heavy handed. I don't really care for that. That's you know, overly artistic attempt there but overall i enjoyed the film and i thought it was a smart film and i wish there was more like it yeah now you know sometimes i kind of just come into these episodes and i'm like talking it out like with you guys as we're doing it but i've talked to a couple of people about this so i have some thoughts that i have actually kind of clearly articulated i i felt the current day footage at the end could tread into being a little heavy-handed um because i i don't love a filmmaker to spend all this time very artistically showing you what they're trying to say. And then at the end being like, but in case you didn't get it, this is what I mean. Cause for me, there was never a point in time where I wasn't comparing what was happening in this movie to the current political climate and stuff like that. Especially when Ron Stallworth is talking to his sergeant and says, you know, they're, and this is one of the most disturbing things about the movie is, uh, it, you know, it does center around David Duke a lot, but his whole mission as it is, uh, you know, portrayed in this movie is to, you know, make the Ku Klux Klan quote unquote nonviolent to, um, Sorry, Ethan. I don't <laughs> uh, is to make the Ku Klux Klan nonviolent to change his name from grand wizard to national director right, right. and to try to put people in office. Yeah. And, somewhat, you know, quote unquote, legitimize the organization as right. they call it. And Ron Stallworth says to a sergeant, America would never elect somebody like David Duke. Yeah. When they have now elected somebody that David Duke, David Duke actively supports. Right. So all of these things are happening throughout the film. And then at the end, Spike Lee's like, in case you didn't fucking get it, this is what, and, yeah. and so, and I still, to, you know, even as I'm talking about it right now, I haven't decided if I like it or not. Huh. Um, I'm like really on you the fence. You mean the film as a whole? No, or that no, final? Ju- no, just that oh, okay. final part. Just that, I loved yeah. the film, but just that final part. Cause part of me is like, I, I have mixed feelings about it. Cause I could have done without it. I got it already, yeah. you know? Um, but then on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, in case you were confused or hadn't thought that deeply about it, here it is. And, you know, but the type of person that isn't putting that together is not the type of person that's seeing this movie in the first place. Mm. I don't think, you know, I, I know, but um, I, I think that there's, uh, I get, I get what you're saying, but I, I do think that there's value in being forced to look at it and see how it really is the same yeah. thing. And, and that and I to agree. be upset by that and for it, like whatever you can do, to keep it from being this, you know, because you could watch this thing and be like, oh, it's the 70s, it's the fashion, and it's of this different time so and all, you know. That, so so that's another thing that, um, that I've talked to a few people about it, and this is, this is something that I bring up is, uh, and this ties into actually the point that I was about to get to, is um, so, you, you know, you watch something uh, like Django Unchained, um, which is the closest parallel I can think of in recent memory hmm. uh, to this movie, insofar as that it is tackling a very heavy subject, but it has some comedic moments to it. Right. Um, but that was a long time ago. It's very far removed from current day. Right. And it's Tarantino, so it is almost exclusively over the top. You know? Right. Uh, whereas this one is much more recent. It's not as over the top, and so it's w- just like so much... is more tactile and real than something like Django was. So where as you're hearing people like the characters, like Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Django Unchained say these terrible things and do these terrible things. And it is disturbing, but not to the level this is just because of the time difference in the way it's framed by yeah. the particular well, this, director. I mean, and that's a revenge fantasy film. Exactly. So, so there, sense. there is a more cathartic aspect to it because of that as well. 
so the whole time that, you know, I'm kind of thinking about this, why, and especially when I'm watching the movie, just thinking about the actors having to say these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, assuming that most of them are not actually that way. You know, I would right. assume most of them aren't. Um, I would assume all of them aren't really. Right. But, um, and so the whole time I'm thinking, how could, like, what was you, what were you thinking when you took this role? Like, you know, how, like, I don't think if I were an actor, and that was in a position to be in a Spike Lee movie mm -hmm. that as much as I love reading the script and think it's a movie that should exist and should be made, I don't think I'd be able to take it and say those things convincingly, yeah. you know? Yeah. And thankfully this morning I got some kind of answer to my, uh, wanderings about that particular Your element. ability to do that? Uh, because, no, not my ability <laughs> okay. to do that, but the people on screen that were doing it. Yeah. I watched an interview with uh, Topher Grace okay. on Seth Meyers. Who did a fantastic job. Great job, and he described it as the worst month of his life preparing really? for this movie. Really? I bet. Uh, because he read David Duke's book, My Awakening, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, he you know, watched a lot of footage of him from yeah. back from in that time period. Yeah. He read a lot of his, or he listened to a lot of his radio shows and stuff. Yeah. And they're on set. And he tells the story about, um, he's like, you know, when you're working on a movie and you're doing a scene and, uh, a lot of times at the very end of a take, the director will come up to you while still rolling and say, and kind of whisper something in your ear and say, Hey, you know, you know, try and this, this yeah, or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and he was like, Topher Grace said to Spike Lee, he was like, I'll say that, but you have to say it in front of everybody because I don't want anyone thinking that I came up with that because Spike Lee would come up to him and whisper what Topher Grace described as the most racist things he's yeah. ever heard in his entire life and say, hey, try this. Yeah. And he, you know, he talked about how uncomfortable he was yeah. and how hard that it was to, to do that. But when Spike Lee approaches you directly yeah, and says... Right you're going to play this role in my movie. Yeah. You play that role in his movie. You know, yeah. like you don't say no to that. That's well, I would, it. I was just, uh, this is one of those films where you just can't believe how much of it is real. Yeah. Uh, and I just, see, I uh, haven't even gotten you, into that. I can't. Yeah, you should because, um, it's amazing. I mean, so I just quickly looked, I, 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 uh, Googled Ron Stallworth's name and there's a good article from the Washington post, um, about how much about him interview with right. him and how much of it is true. Yeah. And the guy did. He, he, uh, he answered an ad in the newspaper for the KKK, and he accidentally left, put his actual name. Yeah. So that was that. That was, was the, true. Yeah. And he also, and he did. He repeatedly talked on the phone with David Duke, um, who didn't know he was black, and in fact told him that he could tell when he was talking to a white person or a black mm -hmm. person. And he was actually assigned to protect David Duke when David Duke did come to. So that was true as well. And that, he that also one. got he also got the 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 white uh, Ron Stallworth to take a picture of him with his arm around David oh, Duke. Oh wow! Duke. So all that stuff amazing. is for real, yeah. uh, which you can't believe, right? Yeah. But it, but it is. It's true. Yeah. No. It. I mean, I think this this film was. I think before I even say anything critical of it, I just want to say I think any film that gets people thinking and talking about these things and and uh, does it in a way that is sort of um what would I want to say like unprecedented you just haven't seen it done this way before which I mm -hmm. think is the case with this film um it's 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 a great achievement I mean I think this is definitely a lot of people are talking about this as being uh a big moment for Spike Lee uh having not really made a narrative film, at least a fictional narrative film, although this isn't fiction, it's nonfiction, but you know what I mean. That has, that has yeah. galvanized audiences right. in that, a meaningful that's way. That's sort of really brought... The way it, that his early work Do did. the Right Thing, yeah. or, you know, m many of his uh, earlier films did, that, um, you know, th this is a pretty important film. Now, I do think, you know, Ethan was talking about earlier, like, it's kind of, it's wonderful when a film can do these kind of tonal shifts you know, and I and I agree in general, and I think it, it achieves some really interesting things there. One thing that I kind of questioned as I was watching it, and and this didn't really diminish my enjoyment of it, although in the in the aftermath and as I was thinking about it, did like the fact that the the KKK by and large, even including David Duke to a certain extent, um, maybe with the exception of I think it was Walter was the character who was like the leader of their local chapter, but but other than maybe Walter everybody kind of comes off a little clownish. You know, you were talking about Alec Baldwin at the beginning being kind of clownish. Yeah, and, and this, and 
and and it's not to say that <laughs> a lot of racists, um, jerks, and 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 KKK members aren't clowns of a sort. But it doesn't it make it a little bit easy to kind of like laugh them off and dismiss them. It is, in and that's a way. why they're as like kind of dang. I mean, that's what ha- I mean. Everyone laughed Trump off and look at that, you know. And that's well, kind of what that's what makes so, them I mean, as again, dangerous. I guess you know? that's that's points to why that final sequence is is kind of important to have in there. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, to kind of hammer home that you know you may you may think this is ridiculous. Ron Stallworth may have thought this was ridiculous and this couldn't happen, and yet we're seeing all the these, other. You know, yeah. And the yeah. other thing I would say um, is that um, I haven't read a lot about the film, but one of the very first things I did notice was uh, mention of how um, obviously the film includes footage um and uh, and about uh birth of a nation yeah right yeah. and yeah, the famous the, silent film that was very important in cinema history um as like this big first blockbuster nobody knew that audiences would watch movies that were that long it was the first to use like editing well that's technique yeah well it's that's credited really as it, it it is credited for um popularizing parallel editing parallel editing and yeah. so the, the most fam- famous school. sequences in that film has the, these two sequences going on at the same time where the the clan are riding in to save the the white woman from the black guys it, it had been done before but it was a very powerful and yeah, it uh, was and, and sort of effective use of that that sort of galvanized it as a cinematic tool, right? Right, and, yeah. right. And so, uh, and so Spike Lee does something similar in this film uh, leading up to this bombing. Uh, there's a parallel editing between the Ku Klux Klan and their meeting with Duke, I believe, yeah. uh, with right. a meeting on the college campus uh, with the, the Black Student Organization and um, a character who's played by Harry Belafonte, right. who's telling the story of lynching. Yeah, in play, he was well, it wasn't it? Was, yeah, castration played, played and, by uh, who? Yeah. Harry, Belafonte. Harry Belafonte, the singer. Yes, yeah. well, and yeah. actor. He, he's yeah, he, yeah. You didn't? Oh yeah, fucking a. I didn't. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to remember that. No, I through 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 my profession, I see pictures of him as a young man. Sure, like that's yeah. my though. You know, I Com- well put them side by side. I mean, he's definitely aged. Well, I mean, for sure, he's a lot <laughs> he's older. An old but, man, yeah. But I mean, my point was that that was very huh? that was extremely somber and serious, and he's giving these details about everything. He's recounting this notorious incident in Waco, Texas, yeah, of this lynching, castration, all sorts of horrible things that I thought, right. you know, like, okay, these guys might seem like clowns, right? but this is what crowds do. Right. And even these clowns end up with C4 and yeah. can easily kill well, people. And, and in that... Um, you know, well, not speech, but in that, you know, in that recollection of that, he t- he talks about the power of birth of a nation, right? I mean, yeah. he explicitly draws that connection, and as that parallel editing is happening, we're seeing the clan in their gathering, watching birth of a nation, and, and loving yeah, it. and and loving it and reveling in it. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that was incredibly. Um, just powerful the the way yeah. that that kind of all kind of played off each other. You have this very somber, um, you know, r- real story of right. the sort of pain and needless pain and this kind of like crazy, um, you know, mania that gripped this town that sort of you know gathered around this uh, you know th- this event where they were castrating and burning this man and um, and you're contrasting that with these people kind of laughing at this, you know, sort of um, puffed up depiction of what, yeah, yeah. right, and how powerful the Klan is and how important the Klan is and all that, you know, like, and and just the contrast that that created and that, you know, like, the the reality versus, you know, what Hollywood was giving us and what, um, what people were doing. I mean, it was a really powerful kind of commentary yeah. on film and the power of film and, and and for those of us that study and teach film too i mean it's something that uh i remember when i was in graduate school there was a the, D- the director's guild change it, it used to be called the dw griffith award the yeah mm-hmm. director's guild award and they changed it and there was controversy about that because right. dw griffith popularized parallel and all kinds of techniques and was this amazing filmmaker and racist and his films were also directly responsible 
for encouraging the rebirth, regeneration of the clan and right. lynching. And yeah. you can't like so to dismiss the power of film uh, or or even something like Birth of a Nation, which you can look at and it seems ridiculous and caricatured. This shows in these contexts how people are watching it, enjoying it, and it's yeah. true. The clan used it for, as a promotional tool for yeah. many, many, many. I'm still, there. I'm sure they still watch the damn thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it, it, from from a filmmaking standpoint, I think the watching this, it was amazing. I was saying to Carlos earlier before we started recording that it, you know seeing this in a packed theater on a Saturday night. When it, you know, opening weekend, it was really, I mean, just that, that being in there with all those people seeing a film that I think was really thoughtfully made um, with with some really interesting and challenging commentary throughout it. Some heavy handedness, uh, admittedly, some, you know, that th- that may be on the nose, but my God, I mean, I can think of very few times that I felt like, wow the power of going to the movies. I'm, right, I'm experiencing right. that right, right now. Like right. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't want the power of entertainment too. Yeah. Right. Like right. it's not like you watched, uh, Fahrenheit nine 11. Right. Right. Which you like, I remember feeling motivated by that, but yeah. it was also explicitly, uh, right. Or an inconvenient propaganda. Truth or, yeah. Right? Like the, these kind of films, this that is are entertainment. Capitalism, a love story. I watched that yeah. one recently and yeah. I was like, <laughs> so yeah but these are films that are like and again this this was made for that intent but it was also made to entertain and i think a lot of the film um could could and did play as this is an interesting story because it is a super interesting story a, i mean yeah, it is for it, sure you know and the and the fact like ethan was saying earlier th- that all of this stuff really is based in a true story it's it's just mind-boggling that yeah. that all this stuff was able to happen so um, yeah, it was, it was a powerful movie going experience. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen some people kind of, uh, critiquing the, as we've talked about the heavy handedness, um, some people talking about, uh, um, oh well, gosh. have they seen any Spike Lee movies before? I mean, <laughs> well, the guy is not a subtle film. No. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, uh, the leads, uh, Washington, Denzel's son, John David, uh, Washington. John David Washington, he's Denzel's son. Yeah. 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 Fucking um, that Dude, spend some time on IMDb next. <laughs> that he's that 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 he was. I looked him up because I was like, "Who is this guy? Where did he come from?" And uh, he uh, he played football for a little while too. No, he was he's been in uh, like a he was in Ballers. Uh, Ballers. On, yeah. I, I knew he was in like a premium cable show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I can't remember the, um, the love interest, uh, yeah, she was in Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Yeah. Which I didn't, I didn't know that until I was talking to somebody after and they're like, oh yeah, she was in that. And yeah. she's really good in that too. Yeah. And she's great. In I Black thought Clansman. she was really good in this. I didn't necessarily buy their chemistry all the time. Yeah. Not all the time. Um, it, but I do love that conversation they have about exploitation films and, yeah. you know, that the, uh, them comparing, I get you know Shaft and Superfly, Superfly and yeah. yeah. I mean, they, so so there were some really great, I don't know, just fun but also meaningful moments. It, it was it was it was really, I just think, cool to see a film that operated on so many different levels, um, doing well with the audience. I mean, it was really, I could tell, you know, from the from the reaction of the crowd, it was landing really well, and it seems like uh, it's it's getting that kind of uh, that kind of reception. So. Um, well, we should probably, well, I have two final points okay, to make okay. about it. Um, one, you know, we're talking about its, uh, ability to change in tone mm. very effectively. Um, and I talked about this a little before we started recording, but a family member of mine saw it, the literal showing right before mine. Mm-hmm. So I'm about to get to the theater and they call me and, you know, are very, um, you know, affected by the film and are, you know, uh, you know, quite torn up by like the reality of, you know, this like rampant racism that we thought we were kind of getting over. And now it's really coming back in a Mm -hmm. very, uh, terrifying way. Um, and so I told, uh, the people I was with about that and I was like, well, you know, this is the conversation I just had about it. Um, and, my friend Kyle looks at me and he's like, he's like, Oh, that's interesting. It kind of seemed more like, uh, what I'd read from the trailer and what he said he had read about it, that it more just kind of like highlights the 
absurdity of white supremacism and, mm. um, which it does do at times. Um, but then once the movie ended, he looked at me and he was like, well, fuck you were right. <laughs> you know, it was like a lot heavier than yeah, I expected like, it to be. We, we need more than highlighting the absurdity of white. Supremacy, oh, for sure. Right? But, at but this th- point. that's a lot of what we get in the trailer yeah, right. though is like, yeah. um, but it's, I mean, it definitely, it, it definitely does funny. way more though, than can that. You, though and you imagine, a lot heavier. take away that final sequence and ending on that really, I mean, it, it was the, the most. No, well, no, no, no. Okay, After yes, you're that, right. You're right. The which, which was my second point is that I was so worried we weren't going to get the dolly shot. And then when it <laughs> happened, it was really good. It was good. It was well it was worth the wait. But no, he calls David Duke. Yeah. And reveals, I, I, I was thinking more the reveal to David Duke yeah. over the no, phone and them you. slapping. I mean, that was the most riotous laughter I heard in the theater through the whole film. And if you ended on that moment, it it would have felt wrong. I mean, that's, yeah, and I, I agree. agree. And I thought, I, I actually kind of think that he was setting us up for that because right. even before that, uh, there's this big payoff and I haven't read to see if this is true, but it seems like it probably isn't. Um, you know, they have this, there's this really racist cop mm-hmm. and that was a good they, scene. they have this scene near the end where he's, he, right. he's confronting him and he's being a real asshole, but then it's revealed that they're recording him and the chief comes out and they put the cuffs on him and everyone's yeah. there and it, and it just like, you can't quite buy it. Yeah. Right. Like That's it's too that, feel good. Yeah. Every, the bad guy gets his, his due. And I, I almost feel that that's playing into it, like you said, yeah. where, oh, we can all feel better that things are okay right now. But uh, this yeah. movie doesn't let you do that. Right. I think that's good. So I was yeah. checking out the box office just, uh, I don't know, bring us back down to earth maybe. Okay. So the film did pretty good the last weekend. It made almost $11 million, slightly less than Slender Man, but quite a bit more Which than Spider Which isn't showing here yet, is it? Slenderman is. Yeah, it is. This is the weekend that. gross nationwide. So Black Klansman, almost eleven million. The Meg, forty-five million. I want to see. That I guess too. we should be talking about the Meg. <laughs> nah, nah. nah. Okay. I'll probably go see it, but it is different kinds podcast, of films. Different, different kinds, kinds of films. Different, different kinds, kinds of, of summer pleasures. I'm one hundred percent positive Black Klansman is a vastly superior. <laughs> well, fair enough. So, so we should probably take a little break here, just just before we uh, cap off this, and and then maybe lead into a discussion here about Spike Lee more generally. Um, this beer, delicious, right? I Am thought I, you'd never yeah. uh, come back to it. Yeah, it's I, so good. <laughs> at Austin Street Brewery, just for those um, who are up in Maine at all, um, you know, maybe you're taking a summer vacation, whatever. Um, you seek them out. Everything I've had from them has been delicious. And uh, in this, this double one is, IPA. This one is, I mean, I'd never heard of them before, no you know, a half an yeah. hour ago or whatever, but damn right okay a little so, biased though because I, I do love this style so much right now well but, a lot of people do so yeah. you're you're gonna be in good company there all right so we'll take a quick break we'll come back we'll uh, open another beer talk about some spike lee so we're back uh, beer in a movie. We uh, have have just uh, had a little discussion about Black Klansmen. Uh, enjoyed some fine beer from Austin Street Brewery in Maine. Uh, being being Texas based, though, we we got to give some Texas love this episode. And so I'm going to crack open uh, Saint Arnold Brewery out of Houston, who I believe we've had on the uh, program before. But this is their Divine Reserve series, the 18th release in that series. They just uh, opened a new tap room, didn't they? Did a they? Pretty, I think okay. it's like a pretty big one uh, with like food and they have all sorts of games and it's a big, it's a whole big thing. I saw nice. a video about it uh, on Facebook. Um, Never visited, but oh yeah. That I is haven't either. Imperial Stout. But uh, right. I'm going to later this year. That is uh, the Houston is, Houston breweries specifically is the destination of my bachelor party. Oh, very cool. And there, there's some hay. And speaking of haze, I know there's at least one or two up there. B52, I feel like. B52, and there's another one. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Like let me know because right now the ones on my radar are B52, St. Arnold's, just because like you have to. Yeah. Uh, Eureka Heights and Eighth Wonder. Eighth Wonder's good. I've been there. Yeah. yeah those are kind of the ones that I'm. I'm nice. looking at, but anyway. Very cool. So we, we cracked this open. Um, we'll, we'll be sipping on this, but um, but the discussion we want to kind of turn to Spike Lee more generally. As I was saying earlier, 
Um, you know, th- this is a pretty big film for Spike Lee in a sense, in that it, it's, uh, I don't want to say a comeback, but it, it, it's a film that is definitely getting the kind of critical acclaim that has eluded him with a lot of his fictional narrative films in the last couple decades. It seems like he's had a hard time getting like really wide releases on some of his stuff. Cause right. I know Chirac was, was it an Amazon thing or, uh, Oh, I think you may be right. I don't um, think it had the theatrical run. Amazon. That yep. black Klansman's getting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it seemed you know the last you know movie I remember seeing like a heavy promotional push for was Inside Man, yeah, which was my my introduction to him. Oh yeah, but um, two thousand six, yeah, yeah. two thousand six, so going back a ways, right? Yeah, twelve so, years. So, but he has had. I mean, where he's had critical acclaim, I think in the last decade or so, has been more in his uh, documentary output. Um, he, he's had a number, the, uh, when the levees broke, which was now over a decade ago, but, um, but you know, a pretty powerful film that he made on, uh, in the aftermath of Katrina, uh, hitting, uh, New Orleans and, um, more recently the, uh, he had a Michael Jackson documentary that he did, if God is willing in the Creek. So he's, he's had some of these films, but, but these other ones, Red Hook Summer was one that kind of got mixed reviews. Um, Chirac has already been mentioned that that was one that I think the the premise had a lot of people interested but then yeah. it seemed like the the execution and people seem pissed off that Sh- Spike Lee was making a movie about Chicago yeah right a New York <laughs> a New York filmmaker making a film Famously. very yeah and and he did this remake of old boy which is kind of a notorious uh, Korean uh, yeah old boy is one of the most iconic Korean films, I would say. I mean, it, even even if you're not into Asian cinema and mm-hmm. you're into film in general, you've probably heard of Old Boy and the Revenge right. or the Vengeance trilogy. Yeah. Um, and it Old Boy has been imitated in so many films. So since I know then you're a Josh Brolin well, fan. What did you think of it? So I'm glad you asked because I did watch his remake of Old Boy, and it's not good, <laughs> but. It is one of uh, the few Spike Lee films that doesn't get credited as a Spike Lee joint. Yeah. It's a film by Spike Lee, and he, if I remember correctly from reading about it when it happened, he chose not to refer to it as a Spike Lee joint because his vision... That would be ridiculous. Well, no, but (laughs) but it was because his vision of what the American remake or what his remake of it was going to be, he didn't get to execute the way that he wanted to, and he was... Uh, stifled by the studio that he was working with a lot. And so it, he didn't feel great about it mm-hmm. when it was coming out. And so that's, that's why it's not a Spike Lee joint. It's a uh, film by Spike Lee. If I remember correctly now, if, I, if I'm wrong, let me know. No, but, I think that, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, the, the last 10 years, but, but this, this is a guy a filmmaker who has had um, a career that goes well beyond just the last decade, right? I mean, we, we, we he started back in the mid '80s, um, you know, coming out of NYU Film School, um, the Tisch School of the Arts, and uh, and and made a name for himself, sort of as an indie filmmaker, with some with something to say, right? I yeah, mean, some, some really provocative kinds of we were talking earlier about nobody should be surprised about a heavy handedness in his filmmaking because he's always been willing to take on uh, social topics in a very overt way. Uh, it's, it's funny because I was thinking about this and um, uh, she's got to have it has got to be one of the first independent films that I ever saw that. And I remember for whatever reason, I was only like 20, it came out in 1986, yeah. so I was like 13 years old. Uh, for whatever reason, I knew about this film. I guess that's around the time that I first started getting interested in film. I saw um, Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick, and uh, and even then like Raising Arizona and just like started getting more interested in, in films and filmmakers and read something about She's Gotta Have It and Spike Lee, and it was on cable TV um, and HBO, I guess. And um, I recorded it on my VCR and watched it. And then I got worried that my if my parents saw what I recorded. I was, <laughs> you know, it has like sex and nudity in it. It does, but it's black and white. Yeah, and mostly. Okay, there, there is there is the color sequence. I didn't know that. 
it's like it's his nod to Wizard of Oz, right? Okay. They have the it's like this lyrical dance music sequence. Oh, it's See, it's, it's a lovely yeah. Remember. No, go back, go but back. But for me, as a kid or a teenager or whatever, seeing that for one, I was excited because there's nudity. Literally, well, yeah. I was excited. Makes sense. But, <laughs> but it really was like, wow, what is this? Yeah, like Did, I could tell. Like, okay, very so this is a yeah. different kind of movie. It has a different kind of sensibility, particularly 1987 or 86, and what I was um, used to seeing. And so, you know, I kind of followed him after that. And then, of course, uh, I was into hip hop. And so, like, immediately uh, do the right thing and Public Enemy. Those things were huge. And to this day, uh, I, I show do the right thing in film classes whenever I can. And that film, I think, really stands up as a yeah. provocation, even though it also has like the single most like. 1989 early 90s moment in history if just like the opening sequence of the dance that um i'm blanking and you're gonna have to edit this rosie perez <laughs> rosie perez rosie perez dance sequence at the beginning of do the right thing is like 1989 encapsulated yeah uh but it's a really powerful film and i show it to students and it gets them riled up and we always have a good discussion with that film yeah well and and i think that was the first of his films that i saw when i mean i remember hearing about it at the time but i think it was a few years later that i actually um was able again a, a little bit younger than you Ethan um you know I, I his films were a little inaccessible to me um when I started hearing about them but then I think it was probably you know maybe 91 92 that I was finally able to go into the video store and decide to rent do the right thing myself and uh and watch it with a friend and and really it was it was one of those moments where it was like wow this is this is film doing something that I'm not used to film doing. That this is yeah. this is you and, know. And in its moment too, uh, you know, one of the things I like to go do is revisit like 1989, the year in movies and money makers and Oscar awards and the movie that won the best picture Oscar that year. What was it? Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Driving yeah. Miss Daisy. So you know, the feel good movie about <laughs> the old racist white lady. And her black chauffeur yeah, ca- coming to an understanding coming, with her, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, versus right. do the right thing, right? And of course, he's never quite now did, fit in Hollywood. No, that's true. No, he's he's always not. kind of had that um, antagonistic. But but throughout, like even the '90s, with some really interesting, um, you know, projects there. I mean, I remember Clockers mm-hmm. being a film that I really loved in, in its moment, um, with, with a great performance from Harvey Keitel. Uh, he got game later in the '90s. For have you seen that one, Carlos? I, I haven't. Oh, no. You you'd enjoy I, that one. I honestly haven't seen very many Spike Lee movies, if really any at all. It, yeah, and 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 one that I would really recommend you check out, Bamboozled, um, which got yeah. incredibly mixed. Re- I mean, some people hated this film. Mixed reviews are the best kinds of reviews. But it, in but my it's opinion. yes, and that and to me that is exactly what Spike Lee is a filmmaker. Um, his biggest strength is, and, and right up to this film, even though this film is getting kind of, to an extent, universal critical praise, it it's getting people talking and, and yeah. some people angry and some people... Black Klansman, you mean? Yes, right, I'm sorry. Um, that you he knows how to provoke people and and not just for the sake of provoking but for getting us talking about things cuz he that, actually has something that he wants to say. Well, yeah, absolutely. And 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 he has something that he wants to say, but also the way that I feel about his filmmaking is that not that he has something that he wants to say like he wants to tell you how it is, but that he wants to show you what's going on and get you thinking about it, not because he thinks he has the right answer yeah. or the solution. He just wants to present it. Exactly. He wants to put it out there and get you engaged with it. I mean, really, even though I haven't seen very many of his movies, the ones that I have seen, he really is responsible for some of the most like iconic, or not iconic, but just like specific and artistic imagery of a filmmaker in the last like 20 or 30 years, like the dolly shot that he's known for so mm-hmm. well. But even in Black Klansman, when Stokey Carmichael is giving that speech and he cuts to people in the crowd. Yeah. And it's like this um, 
almost looks like a queen music video where it's right just, against you know, that black background the bla- but with the soft lighting but on when them, he yeah. shows the actual crowd it's not that dark you know no. it's like very stylistic i was wondering but that, like that actually was the one thing i didn't care for i really that. oh i thought really? that was nice i, I loved it. that yeah. scene because th- because it showed it showed this guy speaking who honestly the guy that played stokey carmichael i don't think i'll or, you know, um, Tori or whatever. I don't think I'll ever see him as anything other than Dr. Dre from Straight Outta Compton. That's true, yeah. It's really hard for me, but, (laughs) um, you know, it's showing how this man speaking to a room full of people can impact each person individually. Yeah. Um, in a very significant and profound way. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I can't think of anybody else that would choose to do that in that right. way, you know? Right. Um, and again, even for somebody like Ethan, who was just saying that it didn't really work for him, it stood out for him. It it, it, it made that scene something... Memorable. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, like, he handled it in a way that I don't think... It, you're right. He Nobody else would have approached it quite that way. And I I think the the rationale you give it I buy it and I like it and and that's kind of I think similar to what I was feeling but whatever the case is he does something bold and he does it it highlights something it puts it on kind of a, a different playing field that just makes you kind of consider it differently than you would if it was just like the typical reaction shot of the crowd yeah for sure I mean it it, it sticks out so much more than it would if it was yeah. just a reaction shot of the crowd I wouldn't rem- I wouldn't remember anything about the crowd if it if it hadn't been framed in that way. You right. know, I would just remember this guy giving the speech or whatever. Right. Um, question: Do you think he feels confined by the dolly shot at this point in his career? <laughs> do you think when he's making a movie, he thinks like, "Oh, I have to do How this"? How do I? It's that's a good question. It's I mean, it's certainly a I mean, it's, not- it's so good though. Notable signature of his style. I don't, it'd be interesting to look back through and see how many, I'm sure there are some films where he hasn't used it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, for me, the reason that I remember him so much is seeing Inside Man. Yeah. Um, I saw, I saw it in a theater and there's a scene where Denzel goes from like the vehicle outside of the bank that's being held up and some, it, there's this moment where he's like walks to the entrance of the bank but it's just him and just like right. that. And I, at that point I'd never seen it before. And I was like, Holy, I mean, it really it left a very significant impression on me. Um, but you know, you do wonder if somebody who makes one thing so indicative of their style, if at some yeah. point they feel like, all right, I have to do this. Where do I right. feel like I want to put it? Right. And I think in black Klansman, it was the perfect use of it. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't have picked a better time in that film to use that particular method. No, I agree. It, um, it, it, it really worked for that. And it, and it, you know, it has that kind of, um, it, it has that, uh, effect of sort of pulling you out a little bit in a way, like it kind of removes you from it. But, but like you say, where it was placed in black Klansman, that's a moment where you do need to kind of pull away. Cause it's getting you ready for this, pretty dark and and kind of sinister ending that that he's going to give you. Yeah. You know what it could have used as a climactic original song by Public Enemy. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I can't argue against that. I and do not think, not common. I do think no, that not by common. No I common. do think some of the music that, that there's one song in particular that plays a couple of times throughout that I really enjoyed. In Brandy? Black Klansman. In Black Klansman. Yeah. Brandy. I wouldn't be mad at that. I, You're that's a, a great, fun girl. That's, it has a nice placement in this. In yeah, this. yeah. This yeah. one in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. What do they have in common? Brandy. Uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> they don't speak of that anymore. <laughs> so, you, you know, I think with Spike Lee, I mean, we, we've already mentioned a lot of these great films, but, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss. I think 25th Hour is one that yeah, at the time really stood out to me. Okay, and, who's uh, in that movie? Ed Norton. That's what I thought. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Love Ed Norton. Anna Paquin. Yeah, it's, and, you know, again, I, I think looking back through his filmography, I, you know, I definitely, the stuff through the 80s and the 90s, very familiar with. I feel like I really need to go back and and watch some of these films from the 2000s into the 2010s that I've missed out on, even if they are ones that, that have been sort of critically swept under the rug over the, the past decade. Um, I think, I mean, he's definitely a filmmaker. You want to explore as much of his filmography yeah, as you can. Yeah. And it, and it's just great to, to see him, you know, back. I don't, again, I, I hate using it, but like back at the top of his game being talked about, like 
the, um, you know, really thoughtful and, um, you know, powerful filmmaker that he is. So Black Klansman, Spike Lee in general, I think the, the, uh, the sentiment here is you, you can't go wrong. This is a must, the must see movie of 2018. Yeah, if there is, is one so far, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I can't, uh, I, would I can't argue so. with that. And you, again, you may not love it, but I don't think you're going to feel like you wasted a couple hours you, of your life. You watching might not it. love it, but you're going to have something to say about it when yeah. you leave. Yeah, you know, you're going to have a feeling about it, right? Which, and you're going to think about it afterwards, which right. I think is more than a lot of movies can say. So worth seeing for that, if nothing else. And I think I'll be thinking about this beer afterwards as I wind down after. Um, what this, is it, like 12.5% or something? Uh, it is, right? I think, It's pretty I think, high. I think we're, uh, yeah, it's starting to go to my head a little bit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> St. Arnold, you've done it again. Divine Reserve 18. Uh, Imperial Stout 13.4%. Yeah. Okay. I wish we Damn. could get Spike Lee here to talk about beer. <laughs> I wonder not, if he likes beer. I, I don't I would know. Like I've never see, heard him talk about it. I would beer. like to hear him talk about it. Yeah, I would, I would too. Yes, some opinion. I've enjoyed watching him get old and do those commercials like with the with uh, Charles Barkley and yeah. Samuel Jackson and they've 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 assumed this persona of just cranky old men now. Yeah. I love Charles Barkley's persona, whatever he's doing. <laughs> One of my favorite things about watching basketball is hearing yeah. him and Shaq argue with each other. Shaq also <laughs> fantastic. So um, it, what do you think Adam Driver would think about this beer? <laughs> uh I don't know. But <laughs> It's a pretty, good, pretty good Adam Driver. <laughs> he broods a lot. He's like uh, David Borneas or Borean. Bore- oh, Borean. Yeah, I, I know can never say his about. last name. It's like him, circa like what 2003 okay. or whatever, when he was doing the Angel was he series. Doing that? Oh, Angel brooded so much in that show. That's huh. all his character Angel. was was brooding. I um, I did think Adam Driver was good in this. He was yeah, good in a this. Nice and balance. I yeah. like Adam Driver. I, I see. I don't. Things. I don't love him. But I, he will forever be. The boyfriend on girls to me, like yeah. not, Kylo Ren hasn't taken Kylo over Ren for you, no? no. I mean, I, I think it's cool that he's Kylo turned Ren. into this. That he's turned into well, this. Whenever uh, the Force Awakens came out, there was a really funny Twitter account uh, called Emo Kylo Ren, and it was just like him being savage. <laughs> and it was so funny. That sounds. I think <laughs> that's appropriate. Yeah. So okay, we're we're going off course here, but um, you that's kind of it, I think, for this episode of Beer in a Movie. Um, we uh, we've enjoyed spending some time with you. Hope you've enjoyed spending some time with us. And hope that you might hit us up on social media. Find us at facebook.com slash beer and a movie TX as beer and a movie on Instagram and uh, beer and a movie podcast.com at our own website. Yeah. As you- always, if you're listening to the Apple Podcast app, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff, especially subscribe. That way you can. Uh, uh, keep up to date. You'll get a notification whenever we uh, post a new episode, which we know you're, you know, dying for at this point. That's right. Um, and uh, we're on Spotify. You can check out the podcast there as well. Um, what else? Um, yeah. Leave us a review. Tweet at me. You know, if I said something you didn't like, let me know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm posting on Instagram and stuff. Keep up with that. All right, Lambo. Lambo. Lambo.